This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to the 100% LCFC podcast, brought to you by 100% LCFC and Owen Palmerakin. Welcome back. It is the 100% OCFC podcast. This is Owen Palmeratkin. A pleasure to have you along as it always is. And what a lineup we have for you today. Joining me in the 100% OCFC studios is former Leicester City striker Alan Young, the chief editor here at Leicester City's leading fanzine, Phil Holloway. And also, uh, we've got a special guest in the studio as, as well. Mr. John Sinclair is joining us. How are you? I'm okay. How about you? Why, uh, why is he special and I'm not? Because Cause I am. No, but as a special guest, I mean, I've been doing this when you've been yeah, but I'm not always fanning here, so around I'm all over the place. special because I'm not often here, that's all. Yeah, so it's almost like don't, a, an don't exclusive get worried, don't guest. Worry. I'm not worried. Alan, you can be the special guest, and John can be the exclusive guest. I was just guest. asking, that's all. <laughs> all right, okay. I didn't really mean that. I love John. <laughs> Well, coming up on today's show, we're previewing the away fixture to Norwich on this coming Saturday, as well as looking at the Foxes' first defeat of the Premier League season. But first, let's briefly discuss the Capital One Cup victory over West Ham United at the King Power Stadium. Now, I wasn't really sure what to expect from the game, but it wasn't really extra time and and a tight game as it seemed. What were your thoughts on on that one, Alan? Well, we got through. And that's that's the main thing, you, mm. you know. You, West Ham United. It wasn't the greatest of draws, not the most glamorous of draws, you know. You either want one that would be considerably easier or one of the big big hitters. But mm. it, it, it it was what it was. West Ham United came along, put a good team out, as did we, and we came out deserving winners with some terrific performances. Don't don't you think it's quite impressive to see City's second eleven in a sense beating a team that was. Pretty much unchanged from their victory over Manchester City uh, just, just a few days previous. That's impressive, well, isn't it, really? It is one. But it interests me when you say second 11, John. In, in, in my mind, well, it's not. Anyway. Yeah, but it's not a second 11 for me. I mean, if, you, if you'd if you asked any supporters, um, Swartzer and Goal, yeah, that's fine. Simpson, right, but I find Vasilevsky, yeah. You know, left-back folks in midfield. You know, you've got probably Candy would have played Mark Albright up front. Ujoa, Kramaric, you've got, and you think, yeah, that's a half decent. In fact, that team could probably win a lot of games in the Premier League. Mm. So, with the squad that we've got, 
No, I'm not surprised. I mean, the manager, he'll be absolutely delighted. He comes through, mm. no apparent injuries, gets the right result. Unfortunately, we couldn't take it forward to the Arsenal game. I think what impressed me is Leicester made lots of chances. Okay, it went to extra time, but it needed to have done. I mean, their goalkeeper. They did. They their had goalkeeper a, had an extraordinary. He game, did. To be he, honest, very good game. Adrian. Adrian was in almost in the form of his life. And we, when I was um, sat in the stands talking to the fans around me, uh, they, they were worried about going to penalties. They didn't want it to go to penalties because of the form this keeper was in. I mean, it, it was a case of if we go to penalties, this keeper will save at least two, maybe three. Possibly even, even all of the penalty because of the fine form that he was in, and and six, obviously Leicester, you mentioned there, could have finished the game in ninety minutes. They had three one on ones: Andre Kramaric, Riyad Mahrez, Jeff Schlupp went through. Yeah, it, they're the sort of chances that City in a Premier League game they should be putting away, shouldn't they? Uh, just a note about Andy King, who scored a, a great winner. I think when, when he pushed forward and played behind the two strikers, he was much more effective. Mm. I think he's more effective in that position anyway, to be honest. Uh, I agree. I he, agree. he tends to get lost in the general midfield melee, if you like. But he came good, and it was a good header too. I think he links the strikers in the midfield very well. Um, and obviously, he's one of the best finishers at the club, isn't he, Alan? He's a great lad to have in your team. Uh, whatever competition it is, Andy King is a is a great lad. Does an awful lot of unseen work uh, that he doesn't get a great deal of credit for. I've banged on about that for years. Um, personally, I'd have him my team because he is a goal. He is a goal threat from midfield, and he's very hard to pick up. So, um, I would like to see him back in the first team as it were. Yeah, I mean, I sat next to a guy who didn't like him. He, uh, you, you, you know, he said, yeah, I know. I chat with his punter actually. Um, but, you know, he had to admit that it was a nice goal and he, he came good towards the end. But mm. I guess it's the same with all the fans that are. Opinions, they have their favourites, don't they? Yeah, In- opinions. Indeed. How, how good was it to see a centre-back partnership of, uh, of Martin Wozalewski and Johan Benalwan? Of course, two names that Alan loves. <laughs> <laughs> the Polish guy and the Italian. Is that what, <laughs> that's how I describe No, but... Very, we, very we, know, we know what fast. We don't know what. Um, what's his name again? Johan Benalwan. 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 I'll remember that by next week. Benalwan. We, we don't know really what he's all about. He's had a couple of substitute appearances and he got booked in both of them. You know, he's come mm. on as something being booked, so maybe that tells you something. But Big Vass, we know what you get for Big Vasilevsky. If you, anybody tries to get any tries to get past him in any way, shape or form, meet his forearm, meet my forearm, forearm my friend. Because Possibly his elbow as well. Well, that's it. That's where he gets it. He puts it across the player. But he's, he's wholehearted, this big vass. You see him when uh, when we've been up for a free kick or a corner set piece up at the other mm. team's end. When it goes dead, you see him getting back into position. He's like an Olympic springer, for, for goodness sake. He's Unbelievable. So I would have no hesitation at all in having him in my team. Yeah, he was a regular, of course, last season, wasn't he, in the three-centre-back role? Yeah, yeah. They fell on the three-centre-backs with quite a few games to go, and it worked terribly well. Is Mr. Ranieri a three-at-the-back man? We've yet to see. Possibly played it um, shortly in in, in the pre-season, but stuck with a 4-4-2 after he could get his team to play that. Um, Let's talk Christian Fuchs, because... For me, it was a, a very good performance, a very good assist indeed a, as a left-back myself. Watching that assist was just amazing. Um, but a little surprised to see him left out of the squad against Arsenal on, on Saturday. Do you know, wouldn't it be, a, wouldn't it be amazing uh, to me, Owen, because 
the guy's an international. He's captain of his country for goodness' Indeed. sake, and he has he has a history in the game that you can watch on video when you watch him. Free kicks he takes, everything like that. He's got so many things, so many positive things about him, and it makes no surprise that everybody is surprised because they've not seen enough of him. And I would put him in that left back. I would put him in the team right now. What about you, John? Yeah, actually, I thought he grew into the game on on Tuesday. It was interesting, though, that uh, Ranieri was clearly pretty unhappy with him early in the game and was venting his spleen at him quite a lot, actually. But certainly his his corners and his throw-ins, I thought, were really good quality. Mm, I can remember when he came on um, on the first day of the season at home to Sunderland and Leicester, he got a throw-in. Everyone just expected it. Normal throw, and he threw it sort of 30, 40 yards. And you look at it and you think, blimey, this guy but his has. His corner got, kicks were good as well, weren't yeah, they? Very, obviously, he's known from his Schalke days as someone who has a very good delivery. And I think, is that what Leicester City have been missing in the last couple of seasons? And now they've got Mark Albrighton, who can certainly swing a crossing, and also Christian Fuchs, who can come from the other side. Well, I don't think it's necessarily just for that reason. I mean, you know, you can, you can make sort of things up, but. What John says a wee bit earlier is um, when he said about Mr. Ranieri was is a great expression, venting his spleen. <laughs> what a what a wonderful. Well, he wasn't very description. happy. I think I think what John means that he was he wasn't pleased. Yeah, something like that. But whether this is true or not, I can't substantiate it. But I do believe that there's a wee bit of history between Mr. Ranieri and Fuchs. So. Right, it might okay. be a conflict there. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But me personally, I, I, he has to get in the team for me. And he, honestly, with all his experience, he's only 27, I think, 27 years old. Uh, he is uh, 29 years old and has 69 caps well, and one go. goal for Austria. Well, he's 29 years old then, but that's 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 young in football in terms, yeah. especially for a defender. But... Um, no, I'd put him in the, in the team straight away if there are any difficulties between him and the manager. Indeed. Put them put them aside and, and, and get in the team. You've got to win games. We've got to win games and you, you've got to put players out there that will get you games. And I think Fuchs at left back, whether it be a three or a four, at Norwich away is a good move. I, I would say so as well. Let's talk Andy King now because um, it was a cracking header. And one, Alan, that I think you'd probably be proud of in your day if you scored a headline. I saw a reverse... I've I, scored a couple like <laughs> I, that. I saw, I, I saw a reverse angle... In the on, wrong net, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I saw a reverse angle of, of the goal. And the way it spun round, just beautiful. And I'm sure well, you agree. If, if you notice, yeah. The ball that's coming from the left-hand side, it has a spin. It's spinning left to right. And as it makes contact, whether it be your head, your foot or something, it's going to fly off. So you don't actually have to put an awful lot of power on the ball. What mm. you have to concentrate on is accuracy. And Andy, he rose well. He, he took up his position ever so quickly, dropped off. Two defenders were shocking, absolutely shocking, watching the ball all the time. And it was a relative, it looked spectacular, but for Andy it was a, re- a fairly regular kind of header. Mm. Does, that, does that show his quality? Absolutely. Absolutely shows he gets in the box. He, he, we know Kingy. Everybody knows Kingy. And he is a bit like Marmite. Some player, some people do like him. A lot of people don't like him. But for me, I'd have him in the team. The 100% LCFC chief editor Phil Holloway now joins us. Um, Phil, whole City away in the next round. A tough game? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, and they'll probably look at it and think they've got half a chance. But you know, I think it's quite a nice draw for us. Championship side, they they'll be concentrating, focusing this season like we were a couple of seasons ago. They want to get back into the Premier League, so mm. they'll probably quite enjoy getting through the cup rounds. But I'm sure they won't. They'll be focusing on, like I say, the championship. So I think it's very winnable for Leicester. I will beat them. We'll beat Hull. Yeah. I mean, you look at our squad. Look at the, the 25 players that we've got. You can put any 11 out of that squad and still say we'll beat Hull. I mean, you're down to the last 16 now and lots of fans... It's winning. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's always been a favourite cup of mine, obviously, because Leicester have done well in it back in the in the 90s mm-hmm. and late, late 90s and 2000. You know, I'll, I've got kids who are desperate to go to Wembley and not going to go until Leicester get there. And, and it is one... This is the prime year or the first prime year we've really had to get back involved with it and it's a route into Europe. So for me, it's a... It's a no-brainer. No-brainer, exactly. Yeah, exactly and we have the got words. the players to do it. Yeah. I think the team that plays at Hull will be reflected in the, res- the result we get at mm. Norwich. Well, I hope we take it very seriously at this stage Oh, now. you've got to do you know. mm. Last 16, 90 minutes, you're in the quarterfinals. Yeah. I mean, so, know what that's like. So far, we're looking stable in the, in the Premier League, which is great. So... You know, I think you can start to look at a cup and think, let's have a real go at it this well, year. The good thing about it as well, Phil, is uh, the players that aren't getting into the team regularly are getting 90 minutes at least of proper football, competitive football. A sort of a, a game that you want, really want to win kind of football. So that is very important. Keeps them fit keeps them up to match pace so that when the manager needs to use them he's got them at hand well it gives them a chance as well to be proving for a place doesn't it like we've just seen mm. well Indeed. it does and don't you think you, don't you wish John Clare Sinclair would shut up yeah I was like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, I was, he fell asleep I think, I think it was his afternoon he, nap time wake up John uh, Nathan Dyer's the cup tie player isn't he so he's the only one that, that can't take part yes, he, I think yes. Swansea are going to let him play though aren't they um, he's injured anyway. Uh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he is injured. But yeah. I, I think I think he is cup type. Obviously, that would be up for discussion between Leicester City, yeah. uh, the FA, and Swansea City. I didn't know they could do that. I thought once you cup tied, you cup tied. Yeah, I, I would. I would have thought that that would have been the case. But do we think uh, as well though that uh, whoever plays uh, this week against Norwich, you know, they then pick a di- completely different team for the team. In the cup, yeah, but you don't know what he's going to do against no. Norwich, John. No, that's the interesting. You know, one, what, you, you can you can then look at the Norwich side and think, aye, aye, well, they'll be turning up for uh, for the whole match, you know. But um, I think, yeah, it, it's important. It's going to be a great. The, the supporters love it. It's just a pity it's that trek to Hull, you know. And it's that's quite a nice stadium they've got. There, okay, okay see, it's, it's it's a fairly new, nice, yeah. basic, but. Yeah, not, very, not, very, not very when in the main stand, right up at the top at the back. It's not, <laughs> let me tell you. On a, on a Tuesday evening, oh, I can well when imagine. the wind's blowing. I can well imagine, Alan. Yes. Let's move on uh, to, to Arsenal now um, and get your views on the overall performance. Of course, it was the biggest defeat since that home fixture against Brighton at the end of the championship winning title season. The biggest defeat since then. Ujoa bagged a couple against City in that game. But uh, what were your thoughts on the Arsenal game last Saturday? It'd be interesting to. I thought, to we, I thought we, were, we weren't good enough on the day. Arsenal were far better. Um, chances created and shots on target was an amazing start. Ahead. I think I think there's something like 42 shots yeah, in that game. Incredible, in incredible. So, but we take it. We, we, I think I think a lot of people have formed a different opinion of us now. 
because they've seen us play, they've seen it, and they've listened to certain pundits. Phil Thompson, for example, the, the ex-Liverpool captain. Mm. Um, some great comments, but we've got to win games. Yes, we've, uh, it's the first game we've lost. Fine. But the fashion in which we lost it just gave me a wee bit of concern. To bounce back against Norwich would be absolutely fantastic. You mentioned Arsenal there, John. How good were Arsenal? Because they, they, they didn't show the class of players you need to get into the Champions League. Yeah, you got one player there who scored a hat-trick and then made the best of it, didn't they, really? I think Leicester, you could accuse them, really, of almost playing on the front foot too much and they left gaps at the back. Mm. But they were trying to play the way they've uh, kind of played already. And uh, Vardy was on fire again, you know, a couple of goals from him. Definitely. Uh, and, and obviously chances that he missed as well. But, you know, I, I'm not... I'm not gutted by it because you, you, you know, Arsenal are one of the big sides, and they, they always have been. A good and on the day, everything side. worked for them as well. So I think it's, you know, I, I, I don't think fans should be too worried about it. Yeah, it's a shame it came to that, but I, they, you know, Leicester played the game that they play, mm. and it didn't work on the day because Arsenal were better, as is reflected in the score. R- Ranieri said before, hasn't he? Leicester City are not in a position where they can keep the ball. They need to a break on well, teams. They keep the ball well enough, <laughs> did they? No. No, but we have been doing until we come up to Arsenal. Yeah. We're passing people to death. Yeah. But the thing that was happening was we're going two down in a couple of games. And I've been criticised for, for saying about we need to tighten up at the back. And we do. I said on Saturday before the game, I wasn't, I wasn't so much bothered about front players and, and attacking and stuff like that. I said the team that will win is the team that defends best. Now, we had a lot of chances. They had a lot of chances. They scored five of theirs. Could have been a couple more. Mm. We could have scored a couple more, but we didn't defend well enough for their goals for me. Absolutely not. Um, and you could possibly point the finger at Arsenal for, for Jamie's first goal, certainly, but the second one, yes. But definitely for me, the team that won the game. Look, if you're not going to win the game, John, don't concede. Don't lose it, right? And I think that's what well, we were talking earlier about stuff, about three at the back and everything. We've got to come up with someone who, yeah, it's... It's a blip, it's one game. But I think there's been a wee bit of a, an undercurrent. because well, that's we're, challenge. Yeah, we've come for 2-0 down, John. That's and it's challenge. not going to happen all the time. 2-0 no. down against Villa, 2-0 down against yeah. Stoke City. It's not going to happen. We're not going to come back there. 1-0 against Arsenal. I could have gone to 2-0. Would we have hung on to that? I don't think so. So we're giving ourselves a mountain to climb by conceding. So we need to look defensively. Tighten all that because we've got goals. We've got goals for fun all over the midfield, all over the front players. We've got goals. City have now conceded 14 goals in seven Premier League games. And is that not the top in the Premiership? That is the second highest total in the Premiership behind Sunderland. It makes sense. You've got to to look at that. You know, you've got to try something, sort that out. Because, Alan, you you said after the game um, on the 100% LCFC YouTube channel, um, that the fullbacks were a problem for you on Saturday against Arsenal. They were. Were you surprised then? Okay, would you be surprised against Norwich if he put in if if he played with uh, Richie Delat and uh, Jeff Shop again, or does Christian Foots come in? But like you said, they have a history. So is he stuck with Jeff Schlupp or, or what? What do you do? Danny Simpson could come in at right back, mm-hmm. and uh, Marco Fuchs could come in at left back. I like the sound of that. Proper defenders. Oh yeah, absolute of course. defenders. Not looking to get forward too much. So you keep your back four and you keep that intact. You maybe play two sitting in front. And then, so that's four, that's six, goalkeeper seven. You've got four players up the front who have got blistering pace. 
and goals. So you, you'd have Mark Albrighton, Riyad Mahrez, Jamie Vardy and one more. Um, well, he's got doing... a choice. He's got a choice, but I would put Kramaric in. I'd Kramaric? give him a little bit of a run. You see, this is the fascinating thing, really, because Ranieri's not been in this position before. Everything's gone to plan up until the Arsenal He may have been in this position before at a different club, John, at other clubs. Yes, I know, but all I'm getting around to saying, Alan, is everybody's going to be very, very interested in how he reacts to the defeat against Arsenal. Given all what you've just said, there's a lot of valid points there, but the team he puts out and the style of football he decides to play on Saturday... It's going to be int- very, very fascinating to I me. I think he's definitely got to address the fact that we're conceding too many goals. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, that. See, I, I'm in favour of and the And being season. an Italian, but, goodness sake. Well, he said that before, hasn't he? He, he, he said that before. He hates, he hates um, conceding goals because he's Italian. He has Italian in his blood. Yeah. But also, he likes the way the Premier League is and he, and he wants to go forward. So, But again... Leicester City last season, towards the end of last season, played that three-five-two formation with Wozniewski, with uh, with Robert Huth and Wes Morgan. Yeah. They they scored a lot of goals and conceded very little. Yeah, See, that's is what, that the way to go? Well, to be honest, for me, that's what I'd do if it was me. But like, and I think a lot of fans probably would look at that and agree. But it depends what Ranieri decides. Well, if he's not going to change the fullbacks, as I've just said a wee bit earlier, I would be quite happy with three. Yeah. Talking of goals, um, let's talk about them at the other end of the pitch. Jamie Vardy um, is adding goals to his game now. And, of course, that is something that Leicester City fans will be very impressed about. Is he rapidly becoming a fantastic Premier League striker? Well, he's certainly up there with a lot of them. You know, and I think he's surprised an awful lot of them as well. But we've, we've seen Jamie develop. We've seen him improve over the last couple of years. And he's, he's got that belief in him now. You see the goal, his first, the, the goal that he got against Arsenal, the first one, his first touch with his head, fantastic. Set it up. Then he's gone at Mertesacker, done a little shift to his left, opened his body up, and I was surprised that Czech never did more with it. But he bent it, he's, he's, he's placed it, and he's passed it into the net. Whereas Jamie Vardy of old might have just head down smash. Mm. So, yes, he's learned. He's probably learned from being with the England squad. And if he hasn't learned, then he's a mm. fool. But, you, you know, watching your Roonies and people yeah. like that train and how they, how they finish things off. So, yeah, Jamie Vardy, is, uh, he's worth an awful lot of money now. An awful lot of money. And, uh, yeah, I think he's going to be the guy that gets us 20, possibly 25 goals. You see, I, see I'd like to see a Joa starting because I like that big man, small man combination. Those. He's quite good in the air, can win balls there. I know his first touch has kind of let him down. I don't know where that's why. His first touch is clearance. Yeah, well, I mean, his first touch was better <laughs> in the game last Tuesday than I've seen it be for yeah, a while. To be yeah, yeah. It, it did improve, but I, I kind of like that big man, small man combination. It gives yeah, you the option, you, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Well, it's like it reminds me of the Howard Fright combination. If you look back yeah. to that, that worked quite well. The little flick ons to Fright used to score a lot of goals from Stevie Howard. So, you know, I like to see a Joe giving a bit of a run as well. Well, you, you look at the Stoke game, yeah, you get the flick on for, for yeah. Vardy's goal. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think the big fella has lost a wee bit of weight. I think he was carrying a bit of timber last season. He's touches, if you watch him when the ball's in the air, he, he he doesn't just pin the defender back. He looks to see where he is instead of concentrating on the ball. And then his first touch is rubbish. But he has done, he has done quite well. He, he's looked better. I wouldn't start him. I think the big striker, little striker thing, doesn't really work anymore. I mean, we played it back in my day with me and Lineker up front. 
and uh, it kind of worked there. So I, I know where you're coming from it, but it needs then people will start accusing you. Oh, you're playing long ball. But then, but then many the people many people think the four four two formation doesn't work anymore, and it served Leicester City pretty well throughout the whole of throughout the whole of um, pre-season and, and most of this season for the first opening two months of this season it served them very well indeed yeah the 4-4-2 four, 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 is what John's on about the two up the front of the big man and the little man and you get yeah. two players wide to put them in the box this is this is theoretically the little man hits the near post the big man goes into far post and the midfield player comes and attacks the space in between Andy King for example that's how it all works but teams are better than that these days teams go out Again, for example, against Michael Bryan, they'll stop his crosses. But if teams are better than that, then why were Leicester City fourth in the league until last Saturday for the opening two months of the Premier League season? I think because it was all new, but they carried on a bit of a momentum from the season before. The players were excited about getting out and, and showing what they were good at. We had a wee bit of fortune. Um, and energy as well, though. Oh, of course. That was well, the main thing. Well, I think that was one of the key things about it. Well, I think you've got your very agenda every game. Yeah. yeah. Right. You've got to be careful that we've just... What we've done is lose to Arsenal, and they are one of the top 16 sides in yeah. Europe. I think it's a matter... Now, you I, know, think, I honestly think we could have given Arsenal a better game than we did. I think that's why fans are disappointed, because they yeah. thought, hang on, we might, we're might. we actually yeah. in the mood where we could we could beat an Arsenal yeah. team for the... We went one you know, up, one up for, yeah. for goodness sake. You know, we could have gone between a lot. Yeah, exactly. It could have yeah. been three. But, but it Arsenal wasn't. quality, yeah, got, absolute gone. class. They were class. I mean, Sanchez, absolutely brilliant. I, I really enjoy watching them. Yeah. You know, every player all over the pitch. It's what the Premier League's about, isn't it? What, what, watching, being it able is. to watch But these. you've got to learn from that, Owen, haven't you? Oh, you've definitely. Got, the next time, I'm sorry, we've, we've got to go to Hi, we, Highbury. <laughs> we've got to go to the Emirates. And how, what will we do there? Will we lose 5-2 there? Or will we have less... Learned lessons. I would have thought so. I'd have thought we'd learn the lessons. I'd have thought we'd have probably. I thought less. I would have thought Leicester City would have approached that game in a slightly different way. They wouldn't have. They're not at home. They're away from home. And although yes, okay, it's Arsenal. They're still going to sit back a little. They're going to be a little bit more careful. They're not going to be running and attacking Arsenal. Hey, look, that, the that, that's all. And, the I, and I think. And I think we're going to beat Norwich on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it's all about Norwich now, isn't it? And Norwich, well, the Norwich, Canaries. Norwich will be difficult at home. I well, think. before yeah. we go to Norwich, let's just chat about the referee on uh, on. Oh, don't get me started on Saturday because a lot of people thought he had a a fairly average, satisfactory, adequate, yeah, inadequate. Ru- Alan, it's rubbish. <laughs> That um, was me, by the way. That, one, was, that was me, Bill. One, he was rubbish. One, one thing I, I'd like to ask you, for uh, their second goal, for Arsenal's second goal, was that a foul on Shinji Okazaki? Yes. No doubt. Yeah, it was a foul. Okay. So he, he's not given that. So, you know, that's it. But it, we bang on about this for years and years and years about referees and how they influence games, how they cost you points, how they cost players the the, the position and the place in the team, how they cost managers their jobs by poor decisions. Now, Mike Dean has come under scrutiny for not for the, the disgraceful performance at our place, but then the following week, at the, same again, didn't the same again, had an absolute nightmare. But we've not seen him since, and we've not heard anything from the governing body. It's think, why can we not be a bit more transparent? I think if there's, you're talking about improving referees, why then are they allowed three quarters of an hour after the game where nobody can discuss anything with them? 
because they, do they get together, the four of them, and say, right, and they look through certain things, right, we're going to stay together on that, 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 and that, even though we made mistakes. Why do they not be accountable? I've been on about this for years. Referees have to become accountable. If I don't do my job properly, John, Phil, Owen, if you don't do your jobs properly, consistently, you get a sack. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You lose your position. Referees are doing it week in, week out. They should be... Managers and players get microphones stuck under their chins after games. Referees should as well. Can I can I just say about referees? I've been watching quite a bit of the Rugby World Cup, obviously with it, Brilliant. With it being on. Brilliant. What a difference between a rugby referee oh. and how they officiate a match—a very important match with millions and millions of people watching—and how a football referees. But the players that are responsible as but, well, Phil, but because the, in football, the footballers will tell the referee to f off. But the organisers, and you don't want to hear that in rugby. They hardly swear. But Alan, you could put that right this Saturday in the Premier League. Mike if you rats. put out, well, if you said to every ref and every player, you put out a letter to every club and said, if any, if the players have a go at the ref, one word or anything aggressive, then they're sent off. Because that's what happens in, in rugby. For 10 minutes. But then, I, I, but then, off. But then as, from a player's point of view, Alan, if, if, a, if, a, if a referee makes a poor decision... And in it the is, it's the moment. The, the, yeah, you, you're going to you turn around and say something to him, aren't you? But not particularly well, at I, someone. The rugby guy, rugby players manage to control themselves, and trust me, when somebody's kicking you in the face and stamping on you, yeah, but you're more couple. hyped up than a football player is. So I don't. I think well, footballers be, have got maybe to maybe have no, some no, responsibility. But my, my point was being the, the injustice of of something, um, rather than yeah, rugby. That that that's. Sort of it's exactly p- the same. Of they the game, accept it? it and walk they away. They have to accept it. And the ref, I think if the refs were given a bit more respect, and I, don't, I know you can argue they've got to earn it, but if the refs were given more time and a bit less pressure off some of the players, right. and then, and I mean, the way they use the TMO in rugby. Yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, I'm not a big fan of, of in, introducing it, but goal line, I think you've got to accept it. it's going to come in. Yeah, it will do. And I think in the rugby, you can see all the decisions that are contentious are reviewed. And you can say it slows the game down, but at the end of the game, you've got the correct right. result. Yeah. Mm. And it helps the rest. And I, I, to and be fair, respect. when people say it slows the game down, I think it's, it's a couple of seconds. Listen, be, in, listen, in football, it would be a couple of seconds. Goalkeepers, when the ball goes for a goal kick yeah. and they've won nil up. That I mean, slows talk it down. about slowing the game down. Exactly. But one thing I would well, say about referees, well why do referees not go to premiership clubs? They're, 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 they're paid. They're, it's a full-time position. Why don't they go every week to, to a professional club and work and train with the players, practice matches, referee practice matches, so, the, ref, so, so that the players can say to them, you got that one wrong, and they'll say, I don't think so. And they'll argue the toss. But I think the referee will then understand a bit more about the game, a bit of the professional game, because they've never kicked a ball in bloody anger. Uh, I, I, yeah, goal, line, goal line technology for me is okay. I think they've introduced yeah. that, that sensible. Because, um, because I, 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 yeah, you I, I personally, I'm not in favour of having loads of bits of technology no. that no, slow the game down at all. Yeah, but it's, going, it's, it's, not, it's not going to, it's going well, to happen, John. I'm not convinced. Really. Yeah, it's going I, to I, happen. I think, oh, we'll stop the game because we've got to look at this and look at that. There was a time, I, 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 there was a time John, when we, we never rugby. had nets. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> no, I'm just saying I don't, I don't want all As this. I say this, I'm staring into John Sinclair's eyes. Yeah, but what I'm saying is I think people will be asking questions about every decision the referee makes. And I think that's just going to spoil the game. But again, in the rugby, they don't question anything the ref says. They might not agree with it, but they control themselves and they let the ref get on with it. And that we all so are you saying that the, so the referees in rugby are very, very good because of the technology, 
But are you no. saying no? So Respect, the referees are it's good a combination. Anyway. But how many how many poor decisions do rugby referees make? Hardly any. Because they or have the technology with, to help with, them. Or uh, with or without yeah. technology. Because I think right. the players respect it and you, they try no, to get it right. They usually get it right. I, I don't like they, usually get, they don't have to get, they don't get a reaction. They don't get a reaction for the players. Can, can I just say... Because they don't need to. I know, because they're good. I know somebody who's a linesman and he linesman's up to championship level. During the week, he's a carpet fitter. Precisely, my point. They know nothing. And that's they going on today game. and yet... They know nothing. Pe- people in the Premier League are being paid hundreds of thousand pounds a week and the refs are being paid... I know, Alan, you might say they're being played quite well, but they're not yeah. they're doing part-time jobs. We need, we need Premier League referees to be Premier League, like the players are Premier League. I, I think, I, I think I, the point think that I, Alan made about them going into, into football clubs and, yeah, yeah, and right, refereeing sure, the practice yeah. is, I, is a fantastic I'd rather, idea. I, I think they'd rather they're trained better to do the job that they're doing within football than trying to learn lessons from other sports, preferably. I mean, I, that's my view. Yeah. So, that, so therefore, you would be for them going to professional clubs yeah. And working week in week out with the players, so the players can tell them to go wherever. Well, no, you they, know, and, they and then refereeing games and and getting to know one another, getting to know the personalities, getting to know why players, what winds them up and what won't. What but will don't stop referees them. go to clubs anywhere and give talks? Not them, not them. Uh, talks. Well, I, I mean, a, get I'm, your well, shorts on, son, and get out in the pitch and learn for the players. So I've heard the referees do go to clubs and talk. But, to but it, when if they were to go out and, and do those um and do those practice matches and things it also allows them to gain a, a closer relationship with the players and with sense, individual players because or. it means that it means that on on a Saturday they say rather than oi don't do that they can say Alan yeah. Alan come yeah. here come on come on mate and it, it, it would almost become like that and I think if it was to become like that then you would see a lot less abuse towards referees because they become colleagues rather yeah. than someone who's trying to dismantle what they're trying to do. It's a combination of lots of things, Owen. And yeah, the thing that frustrates me is it, some of it, we've just probably answered it, a lot of it round here today in the last five minutes, and it would take the FA or whoever probably a week to put that into place to start, forget not the TMO and that side of things, but the, the respect and the referees being better trained and going to clubs. All that wouldn't take a lot to put into place, and we'd all benefit from a better. Can I ask about better level of referee? You know, I know uh, a guy from around here, a, a, pre, a, a former Premier League referee, who's a referee assessor. So, what are the assessors doing? Because they're the ones that go away, talk to the refs afterwards, report on them. You know, they're why all don't we get... pals, John. Well, yeah, it, but you know, they're all ex-colleagues, and it's all cushy, and it's all nicey nicey. No, yeah, they should become accountable. If they're not doing their job properly, get rid of them. Get out. But before you do that, get them into football clubs. Get them working with the players, with the pros. Get them see and listen to their side of it and how it goes, etc., etc. Build a bit of respect. They haven't kicked a ball in anger, these referees, John. How can you expect them to do the kind of job that we want them to do I'm gonna without chuck, helping them? I'm going to chuck it back at players, though, as well, Alan. They need to. We can post after the match. You can see when players are feigning injuries and trying to cheat the ref. The players need to be pulled up as well. There's yeah. little elements where yeah, but that good, needs yeah, to be yeah, stamped out. Can that not be stamped out if the referee goes to the clubs in particular and says, uh, and they'll know about it, they'll have seen it all on television, all about it. They, they might have a laugh about it, see, but then all the referees have to say to the guy, whoever it is, look, you're not making our life easy by doing no. that. Why but, don't you stay on your feet? But... but Certain players, there's nothing wrong with going. If you get a clip, if you get a touch, yeah. and you're going through and goal, 
if you're going quick enough, you can't help but fall exactly. over. Exactly, Gareth Bale. And it looks, and it looks like a, a like a, a foul. It looks like a mm. deliberate kick and stuff like that, or, or somebody diving. It's not like that. But you can iron that out day after day after day after day, working with Premiership, working with Championship players, right down the system. But and, and that's what I'm going to say. Gareth Bale is is an a, incredible example of that because you have seen when he was in the Premier League the speed that that guy would run, and he would go through on goal or he would be in the box. He do that little burst of pace, and all it takes is a little touch, the and it's touch. all it's all it takes, and he throws him off balance. He's on the floor. He hasn't dived. He hasn't necessarily been fouled. But he's been he's been brought down um, because of how quick he's running, and that's that's the in- yeah, increased that. speed and power and but, strength that's in the game. But bringing it back to what, where we started, which was was ok- Okazaki fouled, which we all think <laughs> he was. He, he was. was. He was. I'm not being funny. Okazaki, new player into the club, he he's falling all over the place. Yeah. So agreed. I'm not being funny. We watch him week in week out, and the guy for me, I'm there's times I go, oh, get up, Okazaki. You are, you know, you, he you was might, fouled. Yes, he, he was, was then, fouled, but he but doesn't. He doesn't that's what I say. Players don't help themselves because he's being—he's jumping all over but the he's place. He's come at from times. a culture. Again, I get which that. Is, uh, and we sort of watch it up and go, "Well, that's what you got to do in the Premier League if you want to be it." And that's part of. You'll soon find out. You'll soon learn. Well, after the game on Saturday, I spoke to a couple of Leicester City fans who gave their opinions on the referee. It's unrepeatable. It's unrepeatable. Absolutely shocking. What? What can you say? It, it just—it beggars belief. How the officials get away with some things every week in, week out? I think you're a bit one-sided, definitely. That's, that's being mild. I'm, I'm being as mild as a cow, man. I thought that he was absolutely awful. But alongside that, he's got two assistant referees and a fourth official, and they were no better. You could see Claudio, uh, you know, putting his hands up, asking the fourth official what's going on. What can you do until these people be accountable for their decisions? What chances the game got? That was a good game of football ruined by one little man. The referee, I thought, was uh, rubbish. Absolutely rubbish. His linesman didn't help either. Awful. It's the worst referee performance I will ever see watching football. I've seen better performance from referees in non-league than today. Awful. The FA needs to start needs taking action. And I'm going to say it again. Video technology is needed in football. Quick. So that was the Leicester City fans talking to myself after the game. On Saturday, and that last, that last sort of quote there, um, should referees... A bit heated, by the way, everybody. <laughs> should so referees... I swear, I apologise now. Should no referees uh, be given technology to help in the game? Um, one of the Leicester fans says they need it, and quick. Um, my point being on that would be, if, say, Okazaki goes down for a penalty in the 35th minute, Arsenal break, and potentially could go on to score... The, Say Wes Morgan is, is is the person in charge of calling Leicester City's decisions. He can't necessarily turn to referee and says, "We want a decision on that. Stop the game," because that then breaks down Arsenal's attack. Yeah, but that's never going to happen. It's not going. To, it won't happen that way. The referee has uh, has refused Okazaki a, a penalty kick because he doesn't want. He doesn't think the lad's been knocked over. Uh, and but on the replays, see, it showed that yeah, he was on the replay. But the, the referee doesn't see the replay. So that's what I'm he? saying. It, it, right. Inventing, in can you have a look? Can you refer it to the fourth official? I think yes. he can. I think he can. But how would that work then? Because say, what if Arsenal go down the other end of the pitch and score? Look, if the referee's unsure, he should stop the game, regardless. If he's unsure, if he doesn't know and he can't give a proper decision then he could refer to the fourth official. But who then can have a look at a television screen and then. 
and ultimately get the right decision. But then you you have to you have to remember. Uh, okay, Okazaki goes down. Say it wasn't a penalty. Well, it Ars- wasn't because he doesn't give it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But okay, say say it was say Okazaki dived on another instance. Okazaki's in the box. He dives. Arsenal break. The referee isn't sure, so stops the game. Then he realises it wasn't a penalty. Arsenal have lost that break to potentially go on right, and well, score. How many times will the roles be reversed? It, it, it spreads itself out all over the season. Uh, is, is, that, is that why? Is that why technology is taking so long to come into football because of the way, uh, because of the complex ways that it it could be in, in, implemented? Well, it's into not the game. complex in rugby, is it? I mean. The referee, he, the referee will give an advantage and he'll hold his hand up saying advantage. You'll let the play go. If there's no advantage, you'll bring it back to where the offence took place. And I think it's, I think that's terrific. I think it can happen in football. Going to Okazaki, I mean, if, if he dives in a box and the referee says not a penalty, then why does the referee not book him? Because that's essentially uh, what should happen because exactly. he is yeah. s- simulation, that stupid word, simulation. It's a yeah. load of nonsense. But referees do have a very, very tough time. We can learn an awful lot from rugby. I've watched the rugby recently from all over the place in Newcastle and Leeds and Wembley and everywhere. Absolutely fantastic. Players, 20 players, 30 players giving their all. And referees not there to be the showpiece of the occasion. They're there to do a job. They talk into a microphone. I don't think it'll ever get that far with, 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 with football referees because it'll be too much bad language and I don't think that's ever going to change. But I do think um, referees, <clears throat> after games especially, have to be accountable. They have to come out and say, and, and, and why? But you ask a manager after the game, why did you do that? Why did you make that substitution? Why didn't you make that substitution? Why did you not say to the referee, why did you not do this? Why did you not, how, how did you see that? Just... Let him be honest about it. Let, let him hold his hand up and say, I got that one wrong. Yeah. Because I tell you what, John, players will go, I'd rather I'd rather referee did that go, I've got it wrong, lad, sorry. In fact, a referee did the other day. He got in, It was a rugby referee and he got in front of a play and the guy was looking for a pass and the referee was right in between it. And he went, sorry, boys, sorry, boys, my fault. Yeah, I saw that. You know, and why why can referees not be like that? Why? But mm. but also we've not mentioned. I mean, obviously there are assistant referees uh, that have got a job to do as well. Exactly. They're just and as that, bad. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, you know, you, uh, and they all talk to each other, uh, don't they? As well, and uh, the referee does rely to some extent because he can't he can't have eyes everywhere on assistant referees as a fourth official as well. But uh, you, you do see in rugby, keep coming back to rugby, that you know. The, the linesmen there do have more of a, a more influence, I think, on what goes on is than they doing football. Is there a potential to have a fifth official, official sitting in front of a telly, um, watching the game, and then if Isn't something happens... Isn't that what happens, the fourth official does? Well, not necessarily. The fourth official keeps things cool on the sideline and, and, and does the substitutions. I'm talking about a fifth official in the stand, possibly. Right. Um, who will? No, nah, that's not going to work. Who will be in front? Who will get slaughtered by the supporters? Who will be in front of a TV? And then, if say uh, the that Okazaki challenge happens, he can see instant replays, and he'll go, "There you go." Yeah, they do it now. He's, he's, the referees to the linesmen now. Well, but how effective are linesmen? Yeah, but the thing is, as soon as it happens, as soon as the referee looks across, the linesmen will go penalty. The linesmen will go no penalty. The linesmen will go goal kick. So why don't on, because the referee isn't near enough the incident. But, but my argument. So what about this? Here's just a wee 
before I cut, sorry, sorry to keep botting in on, but no, no. what do you think of two referees, one in each half? I think overcomplicated. Uh, yeah, you that think? might overcomplicate things. But how many times have you seen a corner, a cross going, keeper gets it, belts it down the pitch, bounces once, the striker's onto it. You don't know whether he's onside, offside, whatever. The centre half challenges him. Is it a foul? Is it not? And then he smashes it in the back of the net, and the referee's not even crossed the halfway line. How can he possibly give a decision when he can't in keep that scenario? See, Alan's got a great point there because that is one of the big differences between rugby and football, where rugby moves moves in phases, often in five yeah. or ten yeah. yard phases, and often side and to the, side, and side to side, and the ref can be very much literally, like you said, in right the middle on top of, of it the scrum, all, and he's happens. watching it all. He's yeah. literally got eyes in there. And by the way, that GoPro cam they put on the refs is fantastic, yeah, it's great. and the way they mic them up in rugby. Um, but that is a big difference. Football, obviously, with the speed of the ball uh, and the way the players can l- move speed it around. Of the players. Speed of the players. It's in, it's almost impossible for the ref to be in the Absolutely. right position at the right time yeah. very often. Well, why stick a, f- a fifth official behind a goal line, for well, goodness Again, sake. that seems ridiculous. And I'm going to very quickly mention linesmen. I, they're not even called linesmen now, are they? They're assistant the referees. referees. Yeah. They, don't, they yeah. don't do anything. If you watch, when the ball goes out of play, the ref actually puts his hand down by the side of him. Exactly. And he indicates yeah. which way really the linesman should throw yeah. the throw. Yeah. Even though the linesman's often closer and has got a better view, the ref is instructing. Yeah, but they're, they're, they're it's crazy. Up, though. They're mic'd up. They'll go, blue ball? No, yellow. Yeah. Uh, I think blue. <laughs> the linesmen do nothing. <laughs> In my opinion, but like linesmen could help. They could be your secondary refs. They were like be. American football refs, where they came into play and they yeah. literally had. Yeah. So they had the same level of responsibility as the ref. Why haven't they? Where's got it all level? going? Where's it all going to end? Then where's it all, when's it all going to get better? For me, for me personally, referees train with the professional clubs, and referees become accountable after every game and explain their decisions, any controversial decisions, and also. To get praise when they've done well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think Alan gets the points, and I'm going to <laughs> use my journalism and, and production senses and, and move away from referees. Um, Alan doesn't look too pleased with that. I think he's I'm quite absolutely like to, he quite delighted because I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk uh, very quickly Norwich City. Um, what can Leicester City expect from this game on Saturday? Because Norwich are doing fairly well at the moment. They're 12th in the Premier League, two wins and uh, three draws on their opening seven games. And Delia will be quite pleased with that, won't she? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, as you say, results have been good. Uh, they've won their last two home games, uh, scoring three goals on, on each occasion um, uh, and drawn away from home in the last two games. So they're on a bit of a roll at the moment. I think Carrow Road, historically for Leicester, has been quite a hard place to go. I remember going there a, a few times in recent years. So, you know, it's a bit of a cauldron there, actually. I think there, but mm. there'll be a big Leicester City contingent as always. Um, we've talked about team selection, but I, I think there'll be determination in the team uh, to get back on track. So, but you can't rule any, any side out. That's the, the good thing about this division, even the sides that have uh, come up recently. Yeah, are seemingly doing quite, they're all doing well. quite well. And I don't yeah. think you can say, okay, they're a new side to the division. You know, only three points behind us, aren't they, at the moment? So, mm. you know, I think it's a tough game, to be honest. Um, but it's one I'm hoping that Leicester can get through. We, we've spoken about uh, formations and team selections and things. With a three-five-two, should Claudio Ranieri go with that on, on Saturday? Mm. Is there a potential 
in fact, I'm going to re- rephrase my question. Where would Riyad Mahrez be accommodated in that? Because clearly he wouldn't play in a wing-back position. He wouldn't play Mark Albrighton and Jeff Schlupp or Christian Fuchs. You would have thought would be playing on those, uh, on those wide players. Would you accommodate Riyad Mahrez into that side or leave him out? Oh, because no, you I could think, accommodate think... him in behind the striker, but yeah. you, we've already said that Andy King is playing very well in behind that uh, in the last couple of games. When he's, whenever he's come on, he's played well. He's had that contribution. So... Do you accommodate Riyad Mahrez and then drop Andy King back to the midfield? But then you can't drop Danny Drinkwater or N'Golo Conte. It's a tough well, one. Yeah, the thing is, even that we're discussing that, we can't make up our mind. We, 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 you know, it's tough, isn't it? It's, ah, yeah, it's tough. That's because we've got such a good squad. Norwich, I think whoever, whatever player goes out, I don't think it really matters too much because we've got that much strength on the bench as well. The team that he puts out will all be very, very, very good players. Now, Norwich are on a wee bit of a roll. They're on a wee bit of a high. We know what that can be like. You know, we, we've enjoyed it ourselves. So they'll be, they'll be very much up for the game. They'll be excited yeah. about it. They'll be, you know, feeling a bit invincible. So let's just go there and burst a couple of bubbles. You know, let's, um, let's go and smash Delia's cake up. <laughs> in true Bake Off fashion I'd love to yeah. see that <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about a big cake take a cake a and cake. just ram yeah. it in our, in our chops that'd be funny wouldn't yeah, it let's be oh, having slap. Oh, wait, yeah. can, you, can you cut that bit <laughs> no keep it in slapstick Alan wants to see I could have put that another way but it might have been a wee bit rude <laughs> I think that's rude enough alright so anyway, we're going Norwich. I fancy um, a bit of cake now. And uh, <laughs> Delia's cake? <laughs> no, not hers. And we'll come back with the spoils. <laughs> <laughs> John and Phil having a nice conversation oh, about <laughs> Delia's crumbs. <laughs> Phil's microphone's down. It he doesn't. It, he, he can't. He can't carry on. Um, does that mean I'm sagged? <laughs> if you want to see more preview for the game against Norwich, um, then you can head over to the 100% LCFC YouTube channel. Um, but one one thing that you did mention on that was the competition uh, that we've run in, of course, um, to uh, guess the first goal scorer and the correct score for the game against Norwich on Saturday. And Alan, tell us what they win if they were to get that right. Can't remember what do they win? It's it's the the frame that you they signed. Get, I know what it is. I'm only kidding. It's it's that cake. It's not. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to bake you a Delia. cake. is going to make. I, no, no. I will. Hey, I can bake Alan's you know. Smash it. <laughs> no, hey, come on, be serious now. Um, uh, it's okay, it's a photograph. It's a with the print inside it. Um, keep calm and keep calm and follow, follow the foxes. Follow the foxes. Follow. That's the city. All the way to. Um, <laughs> did you know a couple of seasons ago a girl used to bring cakes to me every day she did, every, yeah. every yeah. home game yeah. yeah they were delicious yeah you ate them all Aye. Maybe, maybe, we, maybe we should restart that now get that going again have well, a cake fest are, are, you, are you off to carry road on why don't Saturday? listen listen here I've just thought of this why don't all the supporters out there take a, take a little cupcake <laughs> And then I'll throw it at once. Yeah. <laughs> Onto the pitch or into the... In into the, the main stand. <laughs> put plenty, uh, put plenty of cream on top. Hey, then you can have your cake and eat it. Oh! Oh, you've been waiting to slot that one in. 
It was there. <laughs> it was there, so we took get it, John's, ladies and gents. Get John Sinclair up front. He can slot them in. <laughs> so if, 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 he can <laughs> smash Delia's cake in. <laughs> I'm sure he would. Um, so if you can guess the first goal scorer and the correct score uh, for the game on Saturday, then you'll win a lovely uh, framed uh, picture lovely. with uh, Keep Calm and Follow Leicester City signed by uh, Alan Young and John Sinclair as well. So that is a treat for you. Unfortunately, there will be no signature from Delia Smith on there. But that is all we've got time for. Thank you very much for tuning in and thank you uh, to our guests who have joined us throughout the show. It's been entertaining, shall I say, to say the least. We'll be back next week with the next edition of the podcast and you can keep your eyes open for any news on the 100% LCFC Facebook and Twitter pages and also the website as well. That's www.lesterfantv.com. And do get in contact with the show. You can find all the details on how to do that in the description of this podcast. So, will Leicester City become a high-risk to the Canaries this Saturday. We shall see. But for more here at the 100% LC- LCFC podcast, should I say, say goodbye, Alan. Keep calm, everybody, and let's smash Delia. <laughs> say goodbye, John. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to my cake because uh, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> say, say goodbye, Phil. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> and for myself, it's goodbye. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.